Hey everyone, this is Jamie English. Um, I hope you guys are great today. Yesterday I was led to talk about this topic again. I've done it in the past on YouTube, um, but just because it's coming up in the world, you know, I decided to talk about it and share my experience with it. And it's from my past, so I'm hoping I can tap in as much as possible to the past. A lot of my past I let go of, surrendered it, you know, for, added a lot of forgiveness there. Um, forgave myself, forgave the other people. So I don't really focus on it today, but because it's showing up in the world, particularly in the R. Kelly situation, I'm like, let me just talk about it. Um, so this is part one, because in case something else comes up that I forget to mention in this one, I'll talk about it in another one, maybe a part two. Um, but I'm talking today about narcissistic sociopaths and my experience with one my possibly even more no actually I do know two hold on two that I know of <clears throat> and how I attracted them in my life and things looking back that I noticed that I didn't notice before that I know now so my marriage the, the marriage that I had for in relationship for over 18 years you know I was dealing with a narcissistic sociopath and the crazy thing is, everybody, I didn't even know it. Um, and I hate to put labels on people. It's just, it is what it is. You know, it's, I'm not making anybody wrong or right or whatever. It's just, it's just what I experienced in the traits of a narcissistic sociopath. And I just want to share it because I watched this past weekend, I watched um, bits and pieces of the R. Kelly um, interview and I watched the two women, his girlfriends, um, interview, and I'm like, wow, it, it just it just reminds me of narcissistic sociopath tendencies. And before I even came up with that conclusion, I suspected it, but I wasn't 100% sure because I'm like, I don't know these people, you know, it's just my observation because I watch human behavior all, behavior all the time. I watch reality TV for that very purpose. I like to see what triggers humans, why, why we react this way, why we act this way. Um, and then ultimately, I just wish for us to be better and know better and do better. Um, so I was watching it and then his interview first. And then um, I wasn't looking for a lot of commentary because I don't want to I don't I don't want to hear people's opinions and their judgments and their conclusions and stuff like that. I'm just really watching human behavior. I watch it. Another reason why I watch it is because. I'm humanitarian focused. Like I, I consider myself an investor in humanity. So as an investor in humanity um, and coupled with who I am, which is a problem solver, I wish to solve certain problems. And one of the problems that came up, one of, okay, so let me tell you my global problems that I would love to solve. Um, poverty, um, a lack of self-love and a lack of self-worth. And now my new one is like, abuse and trauma dealing with it and handling it and eventually preventing it so this that's why this came this is coming up um so i watched it and then i watched because the interview i apparently i missed the full interview i don't even know where that is i just was like catching stuff on youtube and it was like clips and then it was, it was this one lady she was a psychotherapist and she was, I liked her position because she wasn't in a place of judgment. She just was in a place of observing what she saw. And she was like, yes, um, I see narcissistic and I see sociopath. And I'm like, wow, narcissistic sociopath. You know, that was kind of in alignment with what I was thinking. Um, and, you know, I'm not here to wrong him or judge him because 
when you are a traumatic person like and you don't know any better you just spread trauma and even if you do know better and you don't get help or you know figure out how to reconcile those things within yourself you know it just continues generation to generation it just continues that's that's what our world is built on that's 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 actually the law of the universe when you don't transcend karma and transcend energy and habitual patterns and another word is that you may be more familiar with is generational curses guess what it doesn't just stop if, if no one steps up to stop it it continues right so you know I get it I understand you know why it's continuing because you know he has to be strong enough to be the one that stops it and if he's not it's going to continue so um, about me, <laughs> I didn't realize and or know that I was in a relationship with a narcissistic narcissistic sociopath until I disconnected myself and someone brought it to my attention. Apparently, he knew or he had an idea or he had been told before, but I never knew. Um, <clears throat> so I attracted him early on. We met when I was like 19 or 18 or something like that. And... You know, I was, I was a college student. I was just living my life, having fun, thinking I knew it all. Um, and I fell for it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I just fell for him. He was older. He was eight years older than me. Um, I had been in love before. I had my first love experience. My heart got broken about a year prior to meeting him. Um, and, you know, I came from a single-parent family, so I didn't have a father in the home. Um... And I didn't know my worth, you know, I didn't love myself enough, even though I thought I probably thought I was back then. I wasn't thinking about that. I just think about having fun, you know, doing what I wanted to do, like my own personal freedom. So I attracted what I was at the time. You know, again, when you're going through it, you don't know these things. You don't you're not thinking about this. I wasn't as self-aware as I am now. So like I was easily, you know, I easily fell for it. Fell for a man. He he was flashy. Um, even I didn't really like flashy men, but he impressed me. You know, he he told me the truth. Well, from what I knew, he he told me things that you know most people wouldn't say up front. Um, and I ended up taking that liking to him. And well, you know what? The funny thing is, initially I didn't even like him. I was like super picky because I didn't like his haircut. So I didn't want to. He asked me out like three times before I actually went on a date with him. And and it was because, yes, I was like picky and superficial. And I didn't like his haircut. So I didn't go on a date, um, which is really funny. But anyway, and after, after the third time he asked me out and I didn't, I said, or I like kind of flaked on him, um, he I was working at a bar, I was a bartender, and he used to come in the bar I used to work at, and by the third time I said no, or wasn't, you know, really interest, showing interest, he bought a date into my, um, where I was working at, and I'm like, and I noticed, and it affected me, I'm like, oh, he only supposed to be trying to holler at me, that was my thought process, so it made me want something that appeared to be taken, right, so he bought a date there and then all of a sudden I wanted him <laughs> it's crazy again keep in mind I was I was what, like 18 19 something like that <laughs> so yeah and then eventually we went out on a date um but fast forward looking back 
it was total man I was totally being manipulated the entire relationship I didn't even know it like it was a relationship of control but it's like it's very subtle control it's not like like I wish I can give an example because it's like people think when you hear control you think of like someone telling you what you could do what you can't do it's more it's more smoother than that um so and it's like subtle things that like build up over time and then like the narcs I call them narcsos for short they manipulate in you into thinking that like what you're doing is hurting them or like it is it's so covert it's so covert and undercover they're really really hard to like um understand and explain I, I do remember, wait, in a manipulation, it's like they they try to get you away from your family and not talking to your family that much or that often, or they'll implant things in your in your mind. And this this is for people, because they can't just do it to anybody, right? They att- We attract those type of people that we can manipulate, right? So it's like, you have to be a person who's not thinking for yourself. I was a person I wasn't thinking for myself. So it was easy for me to be manipulated because I wasn't using my own power. I wasn't thinking for myself. I didn't know who I was. So it was like he was experienced because he, you know, he was older than me. He had more relationships than me. And like it was just easier for him to control and manipulate the situation. Um, and they become, they really are master manipulators. I mean, literally they are experts at it because it wasn't just me that was being manipulated. It was like everybody that they were around was manipulated. Not every, not every single person, except the person, maybe a family member who sees it and notices. I think, I think one of his family members knew it. And cause it was like, he pulled him aside one time and told him something. And I was like, what did he say? He would not tell me what he said. He was like, he, he didn't tell me. Um, <clears throat> But it's like, it's easy. Like, they become masters at manipulating people. Oh. Oh, sorry. Something scared me. So, I mean, I was just in it for 18 years. I mean, they make things, when something comes up, they make it like it's your fault. Um, What else? I'm going to get to the point of how they become this way, by the way. Um... It's just it's it's just a very self-centered relationship. Like for me, I like I was this when he met me, I was like super fun. I love to like laugh and hang out. Like I'm like how I am now. And like a lot of myself, I lost myself in that relationship. A lot of myself was muted. You know, because I felt like I couldn't express myself, or if I said something, he would get offended. It's like so it was like I if I became to the point where I had to like tiptoe around him and how he acted and like when I was around other people with him like I didn't want to upset him kind of thing um what else I'm just trying to think of the main things oh so yeah I I used to go out and do all these things and have fun and like all he wanted to do was go to the movies and go out to eat that's that's the only thing that he really enjoyed doing and like when I would want to go do stuff hang out go to neighbor's house see my friends and stuff I would have to go by myself. I was I was basically a single parent, but in a in a marriage. Like he didn't help much. Um, and if he did, he made you feel like like 
like it was Christmas. <laughs> like if he cooked a meal, like you would have to like glorify him, like like it was everything. With whereas like you do this day in and day out, and they do one thing, and it's like you got to treat them like like they're they they should be glorified for that one thing. But I was I was very unhappy for years and years and years, and a big part of my unhappiness, you know, it was myself. I chose that, and I just felt like. I had to stay in it because I was married and like I didn't have any other choices and I even I remember at one point justifying the situation as being long suffering okay no I'm just I'm just in this is long suffering like I really felt like I was willing to suffer forever over this relationship because I you know I, I got married so I mean that's crazy that's crazy thinking um and, and like I said, it was one point where I was willing to do that. I was totally willing to do that. So, but for I was happy, I was unhappy for years and years and years because, like I said, it was always about him. Everything was about him. Like everything was about him. Um. I, I, it's my fault. Like, I caused a lot of delays in my life. I could have been way more successful early on. Sorry. I could have been way more successful for early on, but I delayed myself because I focused on him. It was so centered. He always had some new project to work on. And what that does is that takes the energy away from you and what you want to do, and they make it about themselves. Um... He always had something going on. Like, always had this problems. Always had problems. If it wasn't this problem, it was another. It, it just, it was just, I was just drained. I was totally drained. Um, physically drained, mentally drained, emotionally drained, sexually drained. Like, everything was about him. Nothing was about me. Okay? Um, and, like, and like I said, if it was, if it did, meaning consistently on a day-to-day basis, meaning it would be one once in a while when he'll try to make me feel special. Like he threw me a baby shower. Um, he planned it. He did everything. I hardly, well, I didn't have to do anything until the day of. And it's like, if you don't glorify him for that, like he won't do nothing else for you kind of thing. Um, it was just, it was just looking back. It was bad. I mean, sure. We got along at times and we had fun times and we laughed a lot, but looking back he stole my energy like I was naturally that kind of person he he stole like the reason why I think we even came in contact was because he saw something in me that he didn't have in himself and like they want that they want that so they you know they they court you they're very charming they come on you know strong and you know make you feel like they're better than what they actually are another thing narcissistic sociopaths do is they actually don't have their own personality they steal yours or whoever is around that they like their personality or that trait about that person they'll like they'll like mimic yours um because it was it was it would be so many times you guys where (laughs) it's just crazy where we would have a conversation right and i would have a point of view about the conversation and he would be you know like he would go against it like oh my god he went against almost everything that I said 
he would go against it. But then like a week later, let's say the same issue came up or months later, don't you know, he would use my point of view from a month ago back against me. Like, and this happened all the time. And I was like, I, I remember when I started to catch it, I used to be like, wait, I just said that to you last month. Like that would happen all the time. And then he, they take it, they take your point of view and your personality and adopt it as themselves. That's crazy. I'm sorry, not crazy like that. I just think that's like, that's interesting. I should just stick with interesting, not crazy. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just so thankful to be free of that. Like, I'm just so, so thankful to be free. Okay, so moving on. Let me tell you what I've noticed in dealing with narcissistic sociopaths of how they become this way. Um, It is my belief, and I've confirmed this with him, actually, and a few other narcissists that I know. I know one other one, and then I've heard um, people, like, on my YouTube channel, like, confirm what I'm saying, like, because they're like, yeah, you know, I have that issue, whatever. So what happened is, after we were separated, and some uh, somebody I know sent this to me. She said, check this out. What do you think about this? And I was like, I read it, like the traits of a narcissistic sociopath. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I just did not know. I discovered this back in, I think it was 2016 or 2015. And I mean, it was like, I read, I read a bunch of traits. And then I stumbled upon this other whole conversation of an actual person who was aware that he was a narcissistic sociopath and how he treated people. And I was like, oh my God, these things are so familiar. Like, it was just like my entire relationship. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I became aware of it. And then once I read it and understood it, I presented him with this. I said, read this. Let me know. Does this describe you? That's what I said. He read it. He agreed that it described him. And I was like, wow, you know, you really got to get help. You know, you really should go to therapy about this. Because I was really, because I still cared. I was still attached at the time. And he was, he agreed. He was like, I do. He he actually said, yes. He didn't say it totally, but he was like, he's been told this before. So, like, he's aware. So, I mean, I don't know what what his status is as of now, because from what I understand and from what I see, narcissistic sociopaths, the only way to, like, rid yourself of them, in a sense, is to go cold turkey. Like, to totally cut off everything with them. Communication, access to you, everything. And it was more of a challenge with me because I have kids. So how can I do that, you know, when I have kids? But I made it possible. Um, and I do it. I, we don't communicate. I mean, it's really, it's really, it sucks, but it, it is what it is. We don't communicate. I mean, other than it's other than if it's a short text, because this is the thing when I first, when we first ended our marriage and like within like two years after that, we would still communicate. Cause my goal was to be friends. Like I really, really wanted to be friends. I'm like, I've known you for so long. You know, I don't want to cut off, cut you off like that. We should at least be friends. But I noticed that when I kept that door open, he would attempt to manipulate like more and more. Um, so it was, and, and I would still end up getting hurt and I'm like, okay, I have to go cold Turkey. And that's what I did. And like, it was the best decision ever. (laughs) It was the best decision ever because once I did that, that's when I learned, you know, my self love. That's when I learned my worth. The interesting thing is I remember 
not to celebrate divorce or anything, but this is so true. Let me tell you how God was like leading me to let go. Because it was like, I was, like I said, I was still attached and I didn't want to totally let go because I had kids. And I'm like, you know, because we were friends for so many years, but I knew I had to let go. And when I finally got the strength to let go, you guys, I remember I got my divorce papers. I got them in the mail. I literally cried tears of joy. I was so happy to be free and so happy that I was strong enough to like finally let go and not blame myself because I ended a marriage. Don't you know, was it that week? I think it was that week. Oh, that week, two things happened. Because it took about a year or something to totally get a divorce. Um, totally, totally finalize it. Because we, we we were going to, we, we were like trying to work it out and whatever. Anyway, so two things happened. One, I met a man, a soulmate, that week. Two... I got, I can't go into specific details, but I got these this great news about this investment that I made, like huge news. And it happened the moment I like totally disconnected myself from him. So that for me was like confirmation of like, I almost felt like God couldn't release certain things to me because I was still attached. Um, and then for after that, the rest is history. I mean, I just had so many amazing accomplishments and goals and like, you know, investments and like money things happen since I just, just detached myself. And that for me, it just was like, it was liberating to know. Okay. So I think I was going to go back. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping, but, um, I wanted to talk about how people become narcissistic sociopaths. Okay. Now man, men or women can be narcos, but my study for myself was with men. I don't really know for sure for women, but um, actually I do. I do know one. All right. I don't know her, but I think Kenya Moore is a narcissistic sociopath. Um, but from the one that I know and, and the other friend of mine that I know who's a narcos is because they were abandoned by their mothers. Um, yeah, like if they were abandoned by their mothers. It's from maternal abandonment. And that's why they become these narcissistic sociopaths. And, okay, not only is it that they're abandoned by their mothers, it's if no one else steps in to instill a sense of love within the child, you know, then most likely they will be, become a narcissistic sociopath. Like, usually in a family... Um, if the mother, let's say she passed away or she, you know, went away, was on drugs or something, you know, the child is left alone. But then like maybe a grandmother steps in and like shows like divine love within the child. And, um, you know, that that protects them from becoming a narcissistic sociopath. But if that doesn't happen, that nurturing, that love that, you know, every child needs and desires, they will become narcissistic sociopaths um so like with the person that I knew my ex he his mother she was actually still alive I don't even anyway never mind I'm not gonna go there she was alive she didn't leave because of drugs or anything she just chose I guess men I don't really know um over him and went with his grandparents his grandparents raised him right so he had a family but what was lacking was the love. They more so instilled like discipline and like structure, um, a home, of course, and things like that. But they lacked 
nurturing and love you know like kids need love kids need affection they need hugs and kisses and they need to be told that i love you um they they need to not only be told but shown that you love them like they need to feel special they need to feel important you know that develops their their own self-love and their own self-worth and if you don't have that as a human man the world will pay the price we're going to pay the price. Like, whoever they come in contact with when they're, you know, of age, they are going to pay the price. Um, so, you know, he if I talk to him right now, he would agree. Like, he can't deny this, like, because I, I know the secret now. So, it's like, I know a lot of narcissistic sociopaths, they, like, they dress really nice. They look really flashy. They come off as, like, perfectionists. Like, everything looks perfect on them, but they're only, like, hiding and covering up. It's, it's an illusion. They're covering up the, the fact that they don't love themselves inside. Now, I don't know about today because I don't, we don't talk anymore, but the person that I left in my marriage and I didn't know, he, he treated me that way because he didn't love himself. Like, he didn't have that foundational love to you know to even know how to give it to me and because he, he wasn't even giving it to himself so they become more like materialistic he was super materialistic um and they also become fake they're frauds he was a fraud total fraud okay like he presents himself like he you know he's driving the best cars he got these range rovers the last time i seen him he was in this new range rover the time before that he was in a porsche the time before that i think he was in a maserati i don't even know he looks dressed to the nine, Gucci, Fendi, Prada. He, I mean, he's dressed. But guess what? It's an illusion. Because as far as I know, you can't even pay the $350 child support. <laughs> I mean, that's cheap. I think that's cheap. You, you can't even cover that every month. So it's like, it's an illusion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I hope I, I know I, I, I said a lot. <laughs> it's the truth. Um, and you know, I still wish him well. I wish, I wish everybody the best because I get it. I understand. I can't imagine if I didn't have that foundational love within my life, like how I would turn up and how I would show up in the world, you know? So I have compassion and I understand, like I get it. But at the same time, I see you, I see the real you, you know, like you can't hide that, that from me. I see it. Um, but they're but they like they jump into new relationships and you know they just find kind of the next victim unfortunately um so it's really sad it's really sad but i mean i'm here to break the cycle like i i know that he has a cycle to break and i have a cycle to break on my end because you know i don't want my kids to ever feel like you know they're they're unloved and they didn't you know, get this and that in the home. Like my kids know their love. They, I show them love. Like they are loved. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's really, really, really unfortunate. Okay. So back to R. Kelly. (laughs) Sorry. I don't really know his story, but I can almost guarantee without a shadow of a doubt that if I had a conversation with him, or somebody did and found out about his foundation like was his mother around I think his brother said they were raised by his grandma grandparents I'm not 100% sure because I know they were um violated as children too sexually violated um 
you know, like I said, those those curses will continue unless we break them. So we have to be vigilant. That's why I do what I do. I talk about my own personal stuff because I want to help you. I want to show you that it's you can change. It's possible. You know, I went like I just was talking to um, teen. No, not teens. Preteens this weekend. I mean, last week at um, a couple of schools locally and. You know, the importance of self-love. Like, we have to love ourselves. We have to know our worth and, you know, feel good inside about ourselves. Because if we don't, then we'll be more susceptible to other people, like, having power over us or manipulating us. Because we don't know who we are. So, you know, I say that to you and say, you know, just, just work on yourself. You know, that's how we change the world by <clears throat> working on ourselves first, by becoming better humans, being better, forgiving often. You know, I'm really, really working on instant forgiveness. I love the idea of it. And that's like, I want to implement it more in my life. Um, and I have, you know, I've, but I want to also become a master at it. Like something comes up, a person offends me or whatever. Guess what? It's water under the bridge. It's dust. Like it doesn't even matter. Um, because I practice instant forgiveness, not only of you, but of myself as well. So, <clears throat> the, all right, back to the narcissistic sociopath. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wish him the best. I understand why he's that way. And R. Kelly, like, just that defensiveness and self-centeredness that I noticed. And the victim, oh my God, y'all, do they play the victim? I meant to tell y'all that. They play the victim so well. Like, let me tell you, give you an example. My ex, he was, when he was, um, so he had a lot of trauma. So the trauma is that you're, you're, you were, he was abandoned by his mother. Not only was he abandoned by his mother, he was abandoned by his father. These people were not on drugs. Well, no, I think his father was on drugs. But these people, like, they didn't even have, like, an obstacle, necessarily, that we know of. Like, they weren't... The mother wasn't on drugs. She wasn't, you know, sick. She wasn't dead. She was very... Will- she was able to take care of him. She just chose not to, so she didn't choose him. Um, he, at when he was a teenager, when he was graduating about... No, when he was, I think, in his 12th grade year of school, some dudes attempted to kill him. Like, they stabbed him, I think it was 17 times or 7 times. 7, I don't know. He got stabbed 7 or 17 times after school one day. And was in the hospital. Left for dead. No, he wasn't left because his cousin was with him. I'm sorry. And, you know, he thought he was going to die. You know, that's traumatic. Stabbed in the back. And he doesn't even know who did it ever. Still to this day. And, um, guess what? He was in the hospital. Guess who didn't come see him about him? His parents. His mother or his father. From what I understand, never came. They called and checked on him, but they never showed up. So, can you imagine how unloved, how unfulfilled, how, like, I just can't imagine that in my life. So, I can only understand why they you know go out and put on this facade to the world and like manipulate people because you know of their pain you know of their pain um so like even when I watch R. Kelly I wasn't like judging him like how could you do this and you know you know all the judgmental people out there and condemning him I it's really just wanting to understand like wow like you a person 
when I look at people who do like crazy, you know, things that we just be like, how could you do that? It's like your life or your childhood particularly must have been so, so, so hard and devastating that you showed up like this in the world today because that's the only way that a person like you would ever do something like that is if you had some real challenges and trauma in your life, you know? Um, so, you know, it's up to us to have like compassion for these people, be vigilant with them, hold them accountable. Um, oh, my point was, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going back to that point about victim. <laughs> sorry, I lost track. So yeah, so he had that when he was 17, that happened to him. He got stabbed and he recovered, you know, whatever, but he when I I remember even when I met him and I went on like our first couple of dates he told me about the story like the story is the victim story because he tells everybody about it and that's like his excuse for his behavior and he wants to gain sympathy from that and when I met him you know he was what 28 and that happened when he was 17 so he had already been like over 10 years it had, it had passed but, it, but at the time I was like wow he told me that he shared this with me you know I'm looking at it like a badge of honor not realizing it's only the story is only to victimize me later to feel sorry for you or feel bad for you and like he told the story all the time to like a bunch of people and then even throughout our marriage he would constantly bring it up like well I was stabbed you know when I was and then it was it became a point where like damn that was 20 years ago like okay we know like okay you know we already we already went there we already felt those feelings like it's time to move on but he held on to that story like I said to victimize himself and to gain sympathy from others so you'll feel bad for him and be like oh that's why he's like that because he was you know he was stabbed you know so yeah they, they totally played a victim um they lack empathy they only want you to kind of feel bad for them but they won't feel bad for you they'll treat you any kind of way no they'll love you or pretend to love you and like you as long as you're doing things that um that enhance them but the moment you stop oh it's your fault you guilty so when I heard the women speaking, that one girl, I think Azriel, she was so defensive. I remember a time where I would defend him, like, for anything. Like, I would just totally defend him because that's, you know, the with the manipulation and then, like, in the stories, like, like, for instance, you know, if he told me about him getting stabbed and he's confiding in me and I'm considering it, like, him being vulnerable, not looking at it like he's telling me this to victimize me you know you become like your cheerleader you become like their motivator you become like you know you defend them and take up for them so that's why I saw in her her defensiveness and you know her anger against other people against him because she like y'all don't understand like he's been through this I mean she didn't say that but it's just it's total defense so I get it I get it so anyway this is concludes part one of dealing with a narcissistic sociopath um I, I do want to talk about this more because my my mission is because it's like okay I know so many people mainly women but I do know a few men who have been sexually violated 
it was a point in my life where I started to attract my friends, like girlfriends, like, and they, and come to find out, they will all confide in me and tell me that they were sexually violated. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'd be like, why am I attracting, like, all these women who are sexually violated? And, because they just feel comfortable telling me, right? Because they know I'm not going to judge them, I'm not, I'm not going to throw it in their face, whatever. So, my thing is to find a solution to... Helping them heal themselves, right, from overcoming the the sexual violation and being able to move on with your life, right? Prevention, prevent it from happening to, like, future children, because it's happening right now as we speak, right? And we don't talk about it enough, and we don't bring it to, you know, the world, the public's attention enough, it's going to keep happening behind the scenes. A lot of people are in, in shame about it. They're in pain about it. They, like I said, and I did another podcast not too long ago and I noticed a habit of the victim, like the person who was violated, protecting the accuser. Like they don't want to say their name. They don't want to say who they was, their relationship to them. That's a, you're protecting your accuser. Oh, hell no. Like, not on my watch. We need to expose it. We need to talk about it. We need to, you know, find out how to find a solution so that in to get healed because the unhealed people are the ones who are repeating the patterns. Not all of them, but there are a lot of unhealed, sexually violated people who are out here and they are preying on, you know, their next victim. And it's because we're height, we hide, we hide these things. Like I remember even back when I was younger, they didn't talk about that. I remember when my one little girlfriend back then, I went over her house. We was like teen, like preteens, went over her house. She confided to me that her mom's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend was sexually abusing her. And I was like, oh my God. And she, her, she told her mom her mom didn't believe her. I think it happened the first time. She told her mom her mom didn't believe her. She told her, and her, her mom was close. She told her, it happened again. She told her mom, and her mom ended up kicking him out. But I'm like, oh my God, like that's crazy. That's crazy. Can you imagine you a little girl or a little boy, and your mother's whoever, cousin, brother, boyfriend, whatever, comes in and violates you, and you tell, and they like don't believe you? Like that's... That's some old school, I don't even know what it's called. Like a slave mentality. I don't even know what to call it. But when you hide and you don't believe your child and or you 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 don't want to deal with it. So you just tell them, no, don't go tell me this and go on with your business. Like that's some habitual BS. So I don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me. And I'm I'm the person who wants to, you know, talk about it more. I want to go deep. I want to expose the people who doing it. And then I want to talk to them about what happened to them. Like, so we can see the habitual patterns of what's going on in the world. Because do you, I don't know the, the numbers or the statistics, but I really feel like it's a lot more people that were sexually violated than we know. I'm thinking it's like one in three, to be honest. I don't know for sure, but I think it's so many. Because it's like, I know so many of my friends were. One of my guy friends, I think it was like last year, he confided in me and told me that he was sexually abused. I would have never thought that happened to him. But now I see why. That's the same dude that I kept telling him, like, you're being really harsh. Your words are harsh. Like, where's your heart? Like, where's your love? Like, I would tell my friend that. And he would be like, you know, I, I invested that message in him over five years. 
And he finally liberated, liberated himself last year and started to lead with his heart and became more a love, more of a loving person. And but but the reason why he wasn't because of the was because of the trauma that he confessed to me about. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know. Like, I just didn't know. So I'm tired. I'm frustrated with the world and the public and humans and how we won't be honest. We won't speak the truth about our violations. We're in shame. We, we hold ourselves responsible, maybe because we didn't speak up or maybe because it's so embarrassing. And I, I understand. I get it. But how do you expect anything to change if you're unwilling to do anything about it? If you don't, you risk, you know, my kids, you risk the future generations. You risk your kids when you don't speak up, when you don't say anything, when you act like it's okay and it's not. That's so irritating. Okay, you guys, I'm getting frustrated. (laughs) So I got to stop because I can't. Like, mm, Anyway, so that's my mission. 2019, the rest of this year and 2020 is to talk more publicly about sexual violation. I actually have never been sexually violated. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I feel like if I was, to be honest... I wouldn't be able to recover. I don't believe I was strong enough as a child to um, overcome that. So I thank God that, you know, I I avoided that. Um, my mother was very vigilant in like who she, she talked about it. She, she didn't, I don't think it happened to her, but she talked about it and she knew it would happen with other people and she knew it could happen. So she like, she didn't have like men, men around me or like, send me places and she didn't know like she just didn't do it and I don't do it with my kids um yeah so thank god for that because honestly you guys I really don't think I would be strong enough to recover from it I, I I if I was sexually violated I would probably be still traumatized to this day and wouldn't be talking to you like I am today so I really really appreciate you whoever was that you're like strong enough to like move on with your life. I probably wouldn't even, I'm not gonna say that, never mind. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wouldn't have been strong enough. So, um, thank you so much. I love you. This is, you know, I'm saying these things and sound, I'm sounding frustrated, but really it's tough love as well. Cause like we can't keep staying, staying silent, especially about such a big, huge issue that we're like, we mute or we act like it doesn't exist. So, all right, I'm done. Be well.